0: Shut up and sit down. I'm Dr. Corbin
1: Weaver, an OB-GYN resident.
0: I'm Dr. Katie Wyatt, and I'm one, too.
2: And I'm Dave Etler, their podfather. And, and we, we are, are
0: the vagabonds,
1: Three friends venturing through the world of feminism and healthcare for women, babies, and people of all kinds.
0: We don't give medical advice and we don't speak for anyone other than ourselves.
2: We're just recording conversations we'd be having in bars anyway.
0: Hello, everybody. This week we're going to be talking about the APGAR score and APGAR the person. Oh. Hello. Ooh.
2: I thought APGAR was a, a mnemonic of some sort.
0: It is. It's both.
2: Shall I shall I tell you what my interpretation of what Apgar is? Since that's yes. yes, well, first
0: let me introduce our guest. Oh yeah, our guest this week is Dr. Allison Purick, and she went to Iowa with us. Hi, everyone. Yay. Nice Allison's to see you
2: again, sweet. Allison.
0: And she's like our most loyal listener.
2: <laughs>
3: Yay, go, po- go Vagabonds.
2: <laughs> Thank you for listening. What do you do, Allison?
3: I'm a pediatric resident at Emory in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Ooh.
2: That's great. Ooh. And uh, you're j- you just have a few minutes to visit, uh, visit Katie?
0: No, we're on oh, vacation yes. together. You're on
2: vacation already?
0: Yeah, for, mem- for Labor Day.
2: Oh, right.
0: We're in Asheville.
2: Really? Very nice.
0: Yeah, Yep. We're already a few beers in today, so we're doing great.
2: I thought you sounded very cheerful.
0: Yes, we are. It's a little before beer
2: drinking time where I am, but apparently you don't care about that.
0: Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) it's great because we both get up so early so there's like no one at brunch which is actually (laughs) breakfast because it's at like 9 a.m
2: that's true I mean you guys are so if you guys get up so early every day you know your time shifted so
0: yeah you you can no. literally last night I left the bar at eight (laughs) o'clock to go to my hotel to go to bed and Adam was like you know it's only like a little bit past eight and I was like yeah don't judge me We stayed out till 10. That's why I'm tired. I stayed out till 10 too, but I was just like laying in my bed talking to people.
2: Nice. Well, it's nice to have you, Alison.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I'm very I'm excited. excited.
2: So, Apgar, should, should I uh, should I explain? Should I mansplain what Apgar is?
3: Yeah, yeah, explain.
2: Well, Apgar apparently is a man. I thought it was a uh, uh, an acronym of some kind. Um, oh, this is so
0: exciting.
2: So, uh, but, but, uh, it refers to the, so, so, so when the baby is born, the pediatrician comes by, looks at the baby and, and gives him, gives the baby a score based on how, you know, healthy it is. Right. So they, you know, score the baby. I'm, I'm going to guess on the things they score, you know, like cuteness.
3: <laughs> Obviously.
2: That's an important, you know, <laughs> score. Uh, how loud the baby cries and, um... You know how how uh, how what how the, the the quality of the footprint on the card. Uh, that's those are those are all components of the there's probably more. Those are all components of the APGAR score, right?
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: Close. Am I close in any of those?
3: Um, um the second one.
2: <laughs> I don't even remember what the second one was.
3: How loud the baby cries. Oh,
2: okay. Good. See. I know what I'm talking about. There I could totally them. be an OB. Um.
3: Well,
0: OBs don't. Well, sometimes we- Or a pediatrician. Yeah. I'm sorry.
2: Pediatrician. Yeah.
0: I don't. <laughs> I do. You don't only, think I could be I a always pediatrician?
3: call them nine and nine <laughs> to make me look oh, good. Classic is <laughs> eight and nine. Just okay. But sometimes they're oh, nine yeah, and that's nine. That's what I always,
1: like I'm always it. like, you know, we always, whenever we leave the room, we ask the nurse, like, okay, what were the Apgar's? And the, they're always eight and nine. I'm yeah, like, that's a friggin' line.
0: Okay, because if they're not 8 and 9, then there needs to be an intervention, I feel like. Not necessarily. I mean, seven, 7 and 9 is fine too. If it's but under 7, you need to intervene. Yeah.
1: Good job. Well, yeah, isn't that what uh, it indicates? Smart? right? 7 is a Yeah. It in, is the indication that there's a higher chance that the baby will need an intervention.
0: Yeah. Mhm.
2: Maybe you should explain f- further. Yeah. Okay. I that's thought I knew what, what I was like talking a about. Let the
0: pediatrician explain. <laughs> Let's do it.
3: First of all, Dave, you got the first part <laughs> wrong.
2: It's not about so. cures. What more important thing is is there about?
3: So the person that came up with the APGAR score was actually a female. Yeah, suck it, man.
2: Nice, (laughs) nice.
3: So uh, her name was Virginia APGAR, and she was an obstetric anesthesiologist in New York. And she came up with the APGAR score in 1952 at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, and it was designed to assess the effects of anesthesia on the baby, because so many women in that time had like more anesthesia than they do now, and the babies were a little bit more um, sleepy and not all with it when they were born. Makes so, sense, yeah women you know women in charge pills yeah (laughs) um so the apgar classically is done at one minute of life and five minute of five minutes of life for the baby um and sometimes we progress that past five minutes depending on how the baby's doing but just like katie and corbin were saying if the score is seven or greater so it's a score out of 10 um if the score is seven or greater no
0: one ever gets a 10
3: Oh, I had a baby get a 10 the other day. Seriously? I know I was so impressed. They were the chunkiest little, little boy. Um so if they're greater than or equal to 7, then we're reassured and we're not really worried. They need extra care. If it's 4 to 6, um We definitely need to do something. And then if it's less than or equal to three, that's very low. And they should uh, be being resuscitated currently. And so one important thing about the APGAR score, when it was invented by Virginia APGAR, it was sort of used as a way to know how the baby was doing in the moment. Currently, some people try and... like, move that onto how the baby will be when they grow up in life, but it's still more of just like how they're doing in the moment when they're born, and it doesn't really tell us how they're gonna do with their long term health, just something important to uh, remember. So, there are five components to the Apgar score. Do any of you know, sort of, you already, Dave, you already clearly I don't talked know about yeah. sort of the crying level? Oh, okay. Anything else that you guys know? I do, of Yeah. A, appearance.
0: Yeah. Cuteness. Cuteness, yeah, kind of, I guess. Sort of. It's their color. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So every baby on all five of these things gets a score of either zero, one, or two. And so color is the appearance, and so if they're blue or just, like, look pale all over, they get zero. If their body is, so, like, their lips and their chest are pink, but their hands and feet are blue, they get a one, which is, like, pretty much every baby ever. Um, And then if they're pink all over, they get two.
0: Yeah, this is, like, why every baby's a nine. Yeah. Because, like, every baby is acro... It's called acrocyanosis Mm -hmm. when you're blue and your hands and feet. Because, like, almost every baby is acrocyanotic because babies have a lower oxygen, um, like, a lower percentage of oxygen in their blood than we do because they're getting, like, partially deoxygenated blood from their mom, which, like, makes sense. Oh, so
2: even in the uterus?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that's just how their physiology is and it's fine. That makes sense. Yeah.
3: So we don't worry really much about blue feet and hands. That's sort of... Expected, yeah, and then P.
0: So Apgar is also a, a acronym, acronym too. So P is pulse, right? Yep. So if it's greater than, if it's less than one hundred, it's zero. No, less than sixty, it's zero
3: yeah or absent and 60
0: to 100 is one and over 100 is two
3: yeah yes because in babies we think about pulses are a lot faster than like in katie or i what we tell people is that they should be double the mom's pulse Mm, which is like
0: a handy way yeah yeah. like moms always freak out when you're like your baby's heart rate is 150 they're like that's so
3: fast we're like no it's no it's great we want that um so it's super fun. We actually feel the pulse in babies most commonly on their, like, umbilical cord stump. Um, so the part that, like, dad cuts off.
2: The gross um, part.
3: You can f- The gross part, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's where you can feel it the best, actually. You can also listen with a stethoscope to their heart to feel it out. Um, but it's sort of a gestalt feeling of, is it less than 100, so, like, pretty slow or yeah, pretty fast? Yeah, you don't actually count it. Yeah. <gasps> So that's the second part, and then the third part, the G. Do either of you know what that is? Yes, I do. Corbin.
1: Uh, that's like the grimace, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Grimace.
0: Yeah. Are like,
1: they pissed off at you when you add? Like, for, like from
3: McDonald's. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> it's good for babies to be pissed off at you.
3: Yeah. Yes. So that's the crying thing that Dave said. And so, like, basically, if they like you irritate them and like you know play with them and rub them off, they don't respond at all don't get mad then that's a zero if they grimace or like cry or get irritated with suction so if you like put the bulb suction in their mouth and nose and they cry or you like rub off their whole body and they cry then that's a one and if they cry just like by you touching them basically that's a two
2: so when you're 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 rubbing them automatically just to clean them off so
3: Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm.
2: that's the point where. but you...
3: also to stimulate them oh okay so if it takes like little stimulation and they're crying or if they like come out crying basically that's like a two mm. but if they like need a little extra, extra that's what attention. i that's
1: what i do as an ob until the the nurse comes over i just rub their back and stuff
3: <laughs> and no, rub their feet yeah <laughs> Yeah. They yeah. don't like the feet. I flick their feet. Yeah. Because i mean. <laughs> and you also want to rub them off so that you get all the, like, the fluid off. off. Yeah. yeah. Because that keeps them cold and you really want the babies to be, like, warm because they can't keep their body temperature up on their own. Um. So then the fourth part, the second A. There's
0: another A. Oh, yeah. He just mm-hmm. said that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one?
3: <laughs> this is,
0: like, well, it's tone, but it... yeah. I don't know. Activity. Activity. But it's like tone. So like, so we call them like, if they don't have good tone, we call them floppy babies.
3: (laughs) Which is terrible.
0: But like, so babies, like if you've ever seen like a newborn, they like clench their fists and like pull them like up in like kind of like a boxer pose. And so like, that's like a lot of flexion, which is they're supposed to have lots of flexion and like babies like always like put their knees up to their chest kind of. So that's the way they're supposed to be. So that's a two. But if they don't have that, then, like, basically, if they, like, have a little bit, then it's one. And if
3: they have none, it's zero. Yeah. So, it's, like, they have their arms flexed up, but not their legs, or vice versa. We'd say that's, like, a one. Or if it's just, like, somewhat flexed up, then that's a one. If they're just, like, limp, and you're holding them, and their legs and arms are, like, flopping down, then that's yes. a zero. And you're, like, shoot, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I always assume they were just trying to get back into that fetal position.
3: Yeah. Kind of, yeah. No, that's a good one. Because even when you like swaddle them after they're born, they still want to like they just keep their scr- arms close to them. Yeah, they, just, legs, like, up. they up up just want to scrunch up towards their chest.
1: It's yeah, yeah it's not so much it doesn't really matter i mean as far as the abgors score goes like why they do it but more so that they can do it you know like that's what babies will try to do and if they aren't doing that like that's a problem sort of thing Mm
3: -hmm. and then the last part is um the r so that's about respirations and about their like effort to breathe basically Mm -hmm. so that's back to the crying so if they cry when they come out and they're like you know just crying on their own then that's great that's a two because if you're able to cry then you can breathe so that's great If they have, like, irregular crying or irregular gasping, like, (gasps) then that's a one because it's not totally normal. Um, And if there's no effort to breathe at all, then that's a zero. That's when you're like, okay, we need to help this baby.
2: uh, It's kind of a stereotype, maybe one that's fading, but, you know, the baby comes out, doctor holds the baby upside down, spanks him on the butt. I don't think that's done anymore, is that?
0: <laughs>
2: I don't remember that happening
1: Well you accomplish our... the same well you that today's version of that is when you rub their back in their their feet
2: oh, okay
0: <laughs>
1: except apparently our MFMs it's such a
0: great
2: I, there's something really um compelling though about that about that image i think y'all should yeah. i think y'all should have kept it but whatever i guess it's mm-hmm. a little bit abusive yeah I hold the
1: baby up by its legs i'd
0: be afraid i was gonna drop it yeah, yeah, yeah. babies
1: are very slippery
2: yes <laughs> yes
1: they're slimy and especially the big ones mm-hmm. that would be <laughs> a
3: little precarious
2: yeah if you've got a 10-pound baby ones
3: that aren't doing well and you're mm-hmm. worried about yeah yeah, that's. so the APGAR score itself is often, especially with like healthy deliveries and stuff, actually assigned by the obstetrician, so like Katie or Corbin, or the nurse that's in the room, too. Oh,
2: um, I thought it was the pediatrician.
3: Really the, I thought it was the
2: pediatrician, that's all.
3: Yeah, so the pediatrician actually only gets called to deliveries that are high risk. So that's like any C-sections we'll go to. And then any deliveries that are like twins or preterm deliveries or babies that the obstetricians are really worried about. Um, So the majority of deliveries actually are just attended by like the obstetrician and then the nurses that are there. And so they'll actually be the ones that assign the APGAR scores. I had a couple of like random facts that were interesting to me. There are six causes of very low APGAR scores. So meaning less than or equal to three that we would really worry about. And so I have those six causes, but was just wondering if you guys could think of some of them too. Mm. Fetal anemia. hmm So, like, hypovolemia or, uh, like, maternal hemorrhage, too, which could all cause anemia. So, yeah, that's one.
2: Uh, I'm going to guess substance use by the mother.
3: Mm-hmm. So, any, like, meds given to mom can, so, like, any narcotics that mom gets just for, like, the delivery itself, but also if mom uses those prior to delivery, that can be a really common cause, especially depending on, like, what hospital you work at. Um <laughs> But we definitely see a lot of this.
2: Your turn, Corbs.
3: I don't know. Pressure's on. <laughs> uh, I
2: don't
1: I'm not know. a
3: pediatrician. <clears throat> I don't care. Come <laughs> on, oh, Corbin. Babies are the best. Um,
1: no, babies are cute and slimy. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. We said fetal anemia, fetal hypoxia. I don't think.
3: So yeah, hypoxia is actually like similar to one. So hepatic. Um, ischemic encephalopathy, or HIE, we call it, in babies. Um, So that's basically (laughs) during delivery. If they, for some reason, don't have oxygen provided for them through mom, or it gets cut off early and they're not able to breathe, this can cause a life-threatening... Um, illness in the baby. So that's a common cause of low APGAR scores as well. Um, and for that, we actually will you know, resuscitate babies, but then also cool them to a lower temperature so that their brain doesn't um, get as sort of messed up as it would otherwise. And then, so that's three of them. Anything else you can think of, mm-hmm. Cutie? There are seven, you said? Six. Six. If there's something wrong with the baby... Hmm. So, like congenital issues that mostly that cause problems neurologically, because even if you think about like lung issues, like if they don't have lung tissue, they're not going to breathe well, so their acr score will be low. But if neurologically they're not intact, they're going to be floppy and they're not going to be breathing, and their heart rate's not gonna like going to be going. Yep. Yep. Like any neural tu- neural tube defects, um, spinal muscular atrophy things like that Hmm. and then another one that can happen is like any prenatal infections that are Hmm. pretty bad can cause low apgar scores so like toxoplasmosis rubella um sort of like the torch infections they're called we should talk about torch infections sometime yeah they're important in both pregnancy and babies um and then the last the sixth one is birth trauma so like If you had a baby that had like shoulder dystocia for a long time that couldn't get relieved or you had a prolapsed cord or something like that, that can also cause a very... Very low APGAR score on a baby. So those are the six.
2: How often does it happen that the cord gets wrapped around the baby's neck or something happens like all
3: that? all the time. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty common, common. But that usually doesn't cause many issues with the baby. I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, Dave,
1: because that is very rarely an issue. In yeah. People think that, like, because... I feel like I've heard so many stories of women being like, yeah, he had his cord wrapped around his neck. He was going to die. They did a C-section. And that's yeah, usually like, just... never
0: actually really is a big deal.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Coraline
0: usually had it. It wasn't
3: like wrapped around and causing like compression. Yeah, it's usually not during... tight enough. Right. To... Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You'd have to like cut off the blood supply going through the cord. And like Allison said, that's usually not tight enough for that to be mm-hmm. a thing.
2: Yeah, I, I asked because as Coraline was uh, wrapped up in her cord, and they just, you know, slipped it over the baby's head. And
0: mm-hmm. No big yeah, deal. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, you can also have a bandolier cord, which is way cooler. It's where the cord goes, like over your shoulder.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. Like a
0: bandolier, like Chewbacca. Yes. Mm. It's sweet looking. Um, and I you saw can also a very... have true knots in your cord.
1: Mm-hmm. I saw a like very twisty cord the other day. It was like a spiral. It yeah, was pretty cool. I had
0: one of those too.
3: Hmm.
0: Also, I, last week, I had two true knots. Like one one day what? and one the next day. And true knots are super rare. Uh, that's weird.
2: So wait, what's, what is...
0: It's where the cord is literally in a knot. Like if you took a piece of string and tied a knot in it, that's what the cord looks like.
2: So that baby had to do some pretty interesting acrobatics in <laughs> yeah. yeah. gymnastics to get that. Exactly. <laughs> what's a, f- what's a not true knot?
0: Um... I think that would be like a slipknot, kind of. Oh, still.
2: <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I, can't still sli- <laughs> I can't make a slipknot. Still gymnastics. I can't make a slipknot on purpose, so that's impressive.
0: Yeah. um, But yeah, so there is a thing. I don't know if this is everywhere, because I never heard this in Iowa, but I've definitely heard it multiple times since I moved down here, but people believe that if you raise your hands above your head while you're pregnant, that your baby will get a nuchal cord and die. <laughs> What's a n- which like I've never heard of that what? before. What's a nuchal Wait, cord? People, that's a real thing. People believe that. Yeah. What's what your whole pregnancy? Yeah.
2: What's a nuchal cord? Did we talk Where your about? I feel like gets wrapped around the neck. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, people believe. Is that. it a commonly held belief? Yeah. Whoa. Like literally, i would never heard of that before. Yeah, me yeah. neither. I
0: think it's a southern thing or like an east coast thing. Hmm. Cause like yeah, I was like I've never heard of that before, and everyone's like, oh yeah, everyone thinks that. Hmm. Huh.
2: How do these things get started?
0: I know. How does it's that not true? How just does that to spell anyone who thinks that you can literally do cartwheels while you're pregnant and it would not matter.
2: I mean, it's almost like somebody did that once and then they had a, a nuchal cord yes, and that they is were like,
3: exactly how that story. But
2: I mean, you've got nine months during which you might yeah, ex- accidentally raise your arm. I don't, yeah.
3: I oh, know that's ridiculous. Really Seems like a stretch. Your arms all the time, like when you shower, right? Every yeah. day,
2: right? You know, you did many other things in those nine months. Why would that mm-hmm. one thing be the thing that they latched on? Very strange. Well, then.
1: yeah, that's weird. So wait, yeah, how do you shower? How do you? How do you get things from high shelves? You don't. you don't. You don't. You have someone help you.
2: Oh boy.
1: Okay. I Don't understand it either, you guys. All right. You need to ask Allison. You need to ask around in Atlanta too, if people. I think that's true.
3: Yeah. I I mean, usually we, like, come into the deliveries, like, when, you know, someone's pushing. So <laughs> Do you like I haven't ex- really had that chance yeah, yet. but, like, but ask your attendings. They'll know. Excuse me. Oh, yeah.
2: Excuse me. But or,
3: like, new moms and yeah. uh, newborn visits.
2: In between your pushes, can you tell me... <laughs>
3: So I'm on nursery right now, so I see a lot of, like, deliveries and APGAR scores. The biggest thing that I've taken away is that, like, physicians themselves don't really care about them as much um, as I thought they would, and it's more of, like, it's a number assigned to the baby after the fact, after they're, like, doing okay, and either breathing or, you know, having help already performed for them, um, but it's a good number just for, like, other people to realize how they were when they were first born and how they were doing and any um, hypoxia or like low oxygen that they had right away.
2: Actually, yeah, I can imagine that, you know, like in the moment you're just, I never thought about this before, but in the moment you're not like, you know, worrying about mm-hmm. the score. You're like looking at the baby and going, oh, this baby is pale is pale or blue and mm-hmm. we got to right. fix that or like right now. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, neonatal resuscitation is um, the only reason I know this is because I'm, nrp certified <laughs> <Me too. laughs> um is like you know you evaluate your baby the baby and like you know you have your parameters for evaluation and like your algorithm ry- for what you do when you do it you know and like while like respirations and breathing and tone like all co- go into that it's still its own separate thing
3: yeah exactly it's more important for like when you're seeing a newborn like at a well child check or like you're writing a note for them of like just to relay information of how like the baby was actually doing when you first saw them.
2: To document really more than to assess in any given in a given moment is what you're saying.
3: Mm-hmm. The other thing that
0: makes me mad about Apcars is when people try to blame the OB for bad Apcars, <laughs> like it's rarely our fault. Mm-hmm.
2: people really try to yeah. shine blame for that
1: I feel like if there are bad apgars, the OB gets blamed most often
3: that's cause OBs yeah. get blamed for everything huh. yeah and it's usually like no <laughs> <the> baby, <laughs> this is me like, being so ridiculous like, but it's usually like the baby has something going wrong and that's why they have a bad Apgar at one yeah. minute and if they're gonna be okay then at five minutes their Apgar is fine and you don't really care I think that's something that
1: I've taken away from my first few months of residency is actually like how like durable and how much like babies can stand mm-hmm. Like Allison was just saying, like, babies can have shitty APGARs at one minute and then be totally fine. Yep. And yeah, so.
3: Yep. It's more of those like prolonged, really bad APGAR scores that you're like, okay, you're not fine. You're probably intubated by now and in the NICU.
2: I wish I had known more about how durable babies are when I was, when Aze, when when Christine was pregnant with uh, our firstborn. Yeah. Yeah. Because I really had some dark, dark ideas about you know babies falling apart <laughs> just like jello
1: i mean they can be slippery which is my biggest fear <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean if you're delivering knock on wood if you're delivering it hasn't happened to me but if you're delivering the baby in the way you should be you shouldn't you know it shouldn't slip but still it's like mm-hmm.
2: things happen. best to yeah, think things about happen. who's messing with their microphone
0: sorry it's falling
2: you want to fix it first
0: yeah just a second we're recording on a wicker table. So.
2: <laughs> Where are you? You said you were in uh, Asheville, but w- what?
0: We're in an Airbnb. Oh. Yeah, we fancy. Okay. Is it nice?
2: Got a wicker table. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All Obviously. the best Airbnbs have wicker.
1: True. I think there are a couple houses on my block Who Airbnb, their houses. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Airbnb in my house. I know, I was
3: thinking about that, like when I'm gone for the week.
0: Let's see if anybody wants to come stay at my house, check, check me out in <laughs>
1: Dave, what's your news?
2: I was interested in a uh, f- article on Forbes.com uh, d- that dis- describes the efforts of Xana Africa, It's an organization founded um, and based in Kenya, which seeks to give women and girls the tools to be confident and able to live their lives free of the problems that menstruation causes them. It's founded by a woman named Megan White Makuria. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And, uh, you know, so in Kenya, if you don't know, uh, two out of three girls don't have access to menstrual health products, And it means they uh, turn to homemade articles like, um, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure. They didn't say what they turn to but I'm assuming you know um, anything that's slightly absorbent um, and these things aren't nearly as effective they can lead to infection um, and in Kenya menstruation often causes girls to skip school um, also one in ten girls have had sex in order to get pads so transactional sexual relationships mm. so these are all an issue I mean if you're if you're skipping school you can't get educated if you can't get educated you you um, are um, more likely to be poor um, as a result um, so anyway, the name Xana Africa is derived from the Kiswa- Kiswahili t- word for tools. They want to give girls tools for um, basically um, improving their lives. Um, their, their philosophy recognizes that uh, puberty is a, sort of a critical moment for girls. During which it's important to help and support their reproductive their reproductive health and hygiene. Um, they want them to understand their bodies and their ability to confidently move through um, adolescence without compromising their education and their quality of life. So I thought that was a, an interesting an interesting article. Uh, by the way, yeah, a, a fifth of Kenyan girls between fifteen and nineteen are pregnant, and sixty percent drop out of high school. Um, hmm. And adolescent girls account for two-thirds of new HIV infection in Kenya. So Mm -hmm. it's a big deal, Uh, health education and reproductive education. And it's not getting Mm done. You know, these are taboo topics in Kenya. Um, They aren't discussed at home or in schools. Um, So they're, they're working on these things.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's good though.
2: Did you guys uh, did you guys feel adequately educated during your your uh, 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 pubescent years? I would imagine you probably did. Mm. Mm. Think back, think way back.
1: No, I, like I, didn't, I, did, I didn't really but... talk to me about it either.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, pick it up though.
1: Yeah, I think it's not really as. I mean, we did grow up in a somewhat different time though than what it is now around these issues. Like, I feel like periods were still pretty taboo when we were that age i don't know how you guys feel about it it really i think depends on your family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether they're willing to
3: talk about it or not yeah.
1: yeah
3: and like i feel like i don't know growing up in iowa city i feel like people were very open and just and talked about anything so
2: the republic of johnson county
3: yep <laughs> exactly so
2: much more liberal nice. um mm-hmm. and open about stuff i, I find Yep. definitely Um, There are some other things uh, that Zana Africa does. The Gates Foundation has been involved since 2011, um, and so their involvement is to help fund the manufacture of modern sanitary pads and the creation of a sort of uniquely African pad brand, um, which is important for changing minds. You know, like it seems like a superficial thing. Oh, they got a brand. Everybody's got a brand these days. But, you know, when you're you're conducting a, what what would you call it, A, a, a... an intervention on how the public perceives a certain topic. Sometimes you have to brand these things so that it's acceptable and, and so that people will yeah. talk about it more. Mm-hmm. They're also helping to develop health education programs to go along with the PADS. So basically rolling out these education programs alongside the PADS themselves. So the PADS are a part of it. They're delivering a message. Um, more recently, the Gates Foundation awarded them a $2.6 million research grant to test the impact of the of Zan Africa's education programs and their PADS on girls' health, safety, and education. And uh, you can look forward to us talking about this maybe more in August of 2019 when the results of that study called the NIA Project comes out then. Ooh. There you go.
1: I think someone actually posted on the Short Co uh, podcast, not a sponsor. Um,
2: <laughs> but a friend of the show.
1: A friend of the show. Uh, like po- website of that like doctor in Dallas who is trained at the University of Iowa Med School. What? Who wrote into... Um, I just...
2: Got this message like, today.
1: Yeah, Dallas Medical Society, because they're talking about how women, the gender pay gap in medicine, and he was like, women get paid less because they work less hard.
2: They w- uh, Yeah. Who
3: was this?
0: Excuse
2: they me? work less hard. Yeah. They see fewer patients. They, uh, I, so.
0: Yeah, every study shows that we do better patient care. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. I, I wasn't going to mention it because I didn't have, I didn't have a t- time to like look into this thing, but I was pretty shocked um, by that statement. And it's so bald too. like like there's no like I don't know this person who said this. I mean, even though they you know, even though I graduated from the university, I I don't have no memory of this person at all. But to be like, yeah, my name is so and so. And this is what I believe. This backwards notion that I have is what I believe is like crazy talk to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's better to have it out there than to be secretive about it.
1: Well, and then he was all like, I didn't know that that was going to be pub- uh, published. I'm like, so that makes it better. Yeah, that doesn't oh, make it Oh, he didn't okay.
2: know that he was talking to a reporter?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I hate when people say that.
2: <laughs> that's not that's not an excuse mm-hmm. for your backwards no. belief. Ding dong. I, I don't like to use that kind of language.
1: I'm just very ashamed that he's from Iowa. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I did. But also
0: Steve King is from Iowa, so. Yeah. weird. Yeah.
3: So do we have fallopian files this week? Mm -hmm. My fallopian file for this week is this podcast that I've been listening to forever. It's called Wine for Normal People. Mm. If you know me, I'm a big wine fan. And This podcast is just great. It talks about like different kinds of wine, different regions of the world that produce wine, different things like what's floating in my wine, um, all different kinds of things. And it's really fun. And I love to listen to it while I run and just sort of pretend that I'm not running. So. And then my other one was all about the Bravo shows that Corbin and I oh, watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've decided, though, that I
1: don't really like Real ha- or um, Southern Charm Savannah that much, though. It's not as good. I mean, like Southern Charm, Real Southern Charm is the best. I don't really like the people as much on it. I'm no, like, they're, they're not really not as like endearing.
3: No, <laughs> but that's OK. Real Housewives yeah, yeah. of Dallas is fun. Oh,
1: yeah. I've been watching that.
3: <sighs> the best.
1: Hello, doggy. Katie,
0: what's yours? Mine is um, the podcast. Wonderful.
2: You speak into the microphone more?
0: Have I talked about this before?
2: Maybe we can wait for the dog.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Whose dog is that? The Airbnb.
2: Airbnb dog.
0: Okay. Have I talked about the podcast Wonderful before?
2: I don't recall that you did.
0: It's not on the list. Anyway, it's another McElroy podcast, but it's Griffin McElroy and his wife Rachel, and they just talk about stuff that they like, and it's just so wonderful and pure. It just makes me happy.
2: It's like super positive, happy. Yeah. Not snarky. Like,
0: here, let me, like they each do two a week. And I'm trying to think, like last week, Griffin literally talked about waffles. (laughs) Rachel played about, talked about tag or no hide and seek. Yeah griffin talked about i don't know some other game i don't remember the name of and then rachel talked about like some kid's song it's just so cute nice yeah and like one time griffin talked about the moon <laughs> the moon it's just adorable well that's it sounds really dumb but it's not dumb i promise okay. I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance um Forbes. my phobian file
1: is last night and the night before andrew and i binge watched the show american vandal on netflix it's so good <laughs>
2: what's that show <laughs>
1: um it's like about this it's like basically a, like a spoof of real crime documentaries or true crime documentaries or whatever those are called um but it's about like a prank uh played on like a high school of like some guy drawing 27 dicks on the teacher's cars
0: mm-hmm. it's so funny
1: <laughs> so yeah it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend it, but also it can be poignant at times. Okay, it teaches a lesson and it's funny about it. So, and I think there's a season two coming out soon.
2: I, I need something to, uh, I need something to watch. So that's good. I've been casting about on uh, my various video thingies and uh, coming well, uh, coming up short. So that's good. I like this one.
0: Did you watch Making It yet?
2: I, uh, no, because. Um, you know. Well, yeah, it's on Hulu, and I don't think we have a Hulu subscription currently. We kind of sh- we we jump around a, a mm-hmm. lot, you know. Like if there's something we want to watch, mm-hmm. so we don't currently have one. Uh, my Fallopian Files, if I may, Craig Ferguson. May. Uh. I have been binge watching Craig Ferguson videos on YouTube. There is a, a YouTube channel called The Jay Leno Fly, which seems to um, specialize in. Uh, clips from Craig Ferguson um, so for instance all the the interviews with between Craig Ferguson and some celebrity so he'll they'll string them all together so that you can watch them but the ones I really like are when just Craig Ferguson acting silly and he is a silly silly man but also sharp as attack he's so quick and um, and he just makes me you know like I will be giggling um, <laughs> just like little Dave Etler giggles Um <laughs> As I, as I, you know, just listen to his nonsense. I love him. I love him. I wish I could be him. So Christian. there you go. That's probably it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, friends. Yeah.
2: Thanks for joining us on the Vagabonds podcast. Um, I'm. You know what? My outro idea. Terrible idea. I just don't like it. I'm not going to do it. We're just going to end the show. (laughs) Okay. Unless you guys guys really want an outro, Mm -mm. now we're doing show business during the show, but screw it. Unless you guys really think, I just. Hey, listeners
1: of the podcast, tell us, do you want
3: an outro? Yeah. Do you not want an outro? I'll tell you. I mean, Allison, do you want an outro? No, I just like when it ends. All right.
2: Then that's what we're doing. Hey, bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. All right, bye. Bye.